All Things in the Name of Love, with your host, Dr. Erica Riesberg. Music performed and written by Megan Moreau. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it, yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. Season 3, Episode 8, The Healing Power of Loving Presence with Brett Hill. Okay, um, welcome to another episode of All Things in the Name of Love. Today I am honored to be with Brett Hill. I'm going to give you a very brief bio. Brett Hill is a mindfulness and communications coach who created the language of mindfulness, soon to be a book training, and TED Talk in 2021. Brett is also a published technologist with two Microsoft Press books, having worked as a technical storyteller and international speaker for Microsoft and others. Microsoft named him the most valuable professional for nine years. That is like the briefest thing I could say about you because your energy is so beautiful. And I'm just so so tickled to be able to talk to you. Well, thank like you I'm going so between like being mindful and giddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just be mindful of your giddiness, right? What else can yeah. I do? Here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so nice. Thank you. So before I started the broadcast, I was sharing something with Brett. Um, he had sent me a, an interview that he'd done. And it was the point I listened to was about really receiving a compliment and a beloved of mine sent me this beautiful text yesterday and he said i was magnificent Mm -hmm. and i have sat with that since i got the text and really felt into it Mm -hmm. and i never have like before i listened to your your comment about that like i had had appreciation but i never really sat with it yeah so powerful It is. And it's so nourishing and such a great gift to give yourself to just let yourself have that the beauty and the simplicity of that. Right. It's so it's so such a gracious and supportive thing to do in your own on your own behalf. I had to learn that because when I was uh, younger, people would say, Hey, Brett, that was great that you did that. And oh, thanks for saying that. And thanks for showing up. And, what, and, and, or, and particularly, you know, people get minor things, but then when people would give major things like, wow, that really, really helped me, you know, they're really trying to connect and they're really feeling it. And it would just kind of like be water. There's a saying, you know, water on the duck's back, right? It's just kind of like, oh, thanks. I really, oh, it was nothing, you know, almost like diminish it. You know, I want to make it small yeah. because yeah. I was small. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, here comes this big thing. Well, I have to make that small so that I can even say, oh, thanks. No big deal. You know? And then finally I, I, I was working with this, this, this guy as I I was a client and this guy, and he was like saying, well, do you, he just asked me the question. I said, when people give you a compliment, do you let yourself feel it? And I thought for about one tenth of a second, I said, well, (laughs) well, no, 
<laughs> I don't. And so, yeah. and I thought, well, what would that be like? And so I sort of, you know, like you said, Hey, I'm going to, somebody said that to me next. And, and I said, and I stopped for a minute because I'd had some mindfulness training and I stopped for a minute and said, Oh, there's one of those compliments. Well, what happens if I just let that kind of go? Oh, well, wow, that, wow, that feels really good. Yeah. Wow. And I, and I began to notice that there's a specific feeling associated with feeling appreciated and cared about. And it's so, it starts, and I feel it physically in my heart and my chest. And it's like, yeah. And I just want to relax. And I just go, mm. and something in me just goes, mm, mm. I just feel hugged. I feel vir like a virtual hug. Yeah. And I just kind of like let myself kind of, it's like eating something from a gourmet meal and you pick it up and you go, whoa, you just kind of want to savor it. So I let myself savor. That's the right word without making it a big deal. I don't like dial it up, you know? Right. Right. No. Yeah. And that's, that's the other side is you don't want to turn it into like, oh, well, that's the most important thing anyone ever said to me. And so, you know, you don't want to amplify it. Right. But right. But coming as someone who, yeah, coming from someone who would typically make it small, just letting it be what it is was a a big change in my experience. Yeah. And it helped me a lot in my life. Yeah, because just the whole in our culture mm -hmm. we're trained to be small. That's right. Yeah. And to be able to receive, especially with women, we, we, we're trained not to receive. Mm. Like I'd say this past century, like, you know, the 19th and the 20th century, we shifted out of that. I mean, we're built to receive. Yeah. Like our, our DNA, our whole body is built to receive. And we're taught that we have to be self-sufficient, we're supposed to not ask for help. And our society has really suffered from it because when we receive, when women receive, we give. Mm. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. We're, we're taught to like, and it's sort of like, and not just women, even though all that, yes, and then also men, don't you know heaven forbid they feel any an emotion oh, you yeah, know I it's kind of like uh and much less express an emotion no. so uh you know i i'm hopeful that we can as a as hum that humanity can learn to be more supportive mutually supportive in both giving and receiving yeah. and uh and that takes and, and the and as fluffy and that sounds there are specific things that you can actually do to help facilitate that that can be very powerful in your life and one of them is one we just talked about somebody says something nice to you take a breath and let yourself feel it mm -hmm. you know it's really simple simple until you get the habit it's not simple until you develop the habit well it's a simple idea you know yeah. that's what I mean to say. It's, not, it's not complicated it's not like you have to no. go to school to figure it out yeah no but but the actual practice of like being fully present to the sensations in your body and just feeling them is like it's like the most radical thing we can do
that is absolutely right on spot on it is the most radical thing you can do and people are just bad at it in general mostly because we're not paying attention and the first time you do start to pay attention it doesn't feel that great because there's a lot of stuff in there that you're going you know that feels kind of icky you know i'm not necessarily so sure i feel that good whenever i pay attention to myself so why should i you know netflix what's on again you know it's kind of like that but it but that's a, so that initial stage of discomfort, uh, which is real and legit, can be hard. It's sort of like when you first start a mindfulness practice, a lot of people get disillusioned because they discover they don't really have much attention over ability to control what they attend to. And you don't want to control, but it's sort of like, okay, let's just say I decided I was going to pay attention to my breath for five minutes. Let's Let's just say that was my mindful practice. Okay, five minutes, no problem. TikTok, 10 seconds in, you're thinking about the next thing. Mm-hmm. And it becomes really aware. Crap, I can't even pay attention for five minutes to something that I want to pay attention to. And when the reality of that can be kind of disillusioning and kind of like, well, I don't, I'm not sure I want to face that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it's I compare it to like riding a bicycle like or learning to practice p- piano or guitar. You know, you pick it up and you start to play. You don't expect to play a song immediately, right? Well, you have to practice. <laughs> well, they might. That's true. <laughs> they might expect to. Yeah. But but the but the learn to play takes practice, and yeah. you're not people aren't very good to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you learn to ride a bicycle, nobody or very few, very, very few get on there. Just they're good to go. They don't have any training or anything. No, you fall off and that's unpleasant. Mm -hmm. So you have to keep trying because it's, because it's about your neurology. Oh yeah. Neuropathways. I I know them very well. (laughs) (laughs) I, I can feel when I'm switching my, like if I have a new behavior in, cause I'm, I'm really learning how to fully embody my body. Hmm. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> it's a big deal. It is a big deal. And I can feel the neural pathways like, really? Is this like really? Because it's such a different way of being. Mm-hmm. Like I can, I'm going to switch. I'm actually going to show how this happens. So I'm going to like engage. Yeah, I noticed. Yeah. So let's see. So bring us along. What's going on here? So what I'm doing is engaging my four diaphragms. The first one mm. is peripheral vision. And I usually close my eyes to like get myself receiving light. The second mm. one is my throat. Mm. The third one is my actual diaphragm. And the fourth one is my bladder. Mm-hmm. Once I become aware of those four things, then I trace my pelvic floor. So I pay I, my ACS, ACIS, my pelvic bone, my sit bones, my PSIS, and my hip bones. So now I'm fully grounded in my body. Mm. From that, then I can start paying attention to the sensations in my body. Mm-hmm. And you hear my voice changed. Absolutely. You can hear so much more like in your voice now. Because I'm grounded. It's, it's dramatic, yeah. It's dramatic. Yeah. So, whereas before I was 
focused on you. Now I can see out here. Yeah. I can see up and down. I can see front and back. And I'm not going to get out of that space because then I can be more present to what's going on within while I'm in the space with you. Yep. Beautiful. So, and I'm feeling it. You're like, because you are doing that, it's like resonating on my end and I'm vibing in, in my own way to a deeper space. So yeah. is that, and that's how we teach each other. Yeah. And hold space for each other. And you don't have to say it. You don't have to go now, Brett, why don't you, it just, it's an automatic thing. Right. 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 And that's, that's the power of like getting into this space of like getting more in tune with yourself is that yes. when we're in this space, we can shift others. You can't help but shift others. Right. And imagine. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, you got it. Please continue. Just, just imagine like if everyone was fully aware of what was going on within them in a given moment. So let's say you trigger me. What was that? I, uh, there... Let's say you trigger me. Yeah. Like you do something that triggers me. I don't have to respond to you. I have to go within and find out where I'm feeling the sensations of the trigger. Mm -hmm. so and that changes the conversation. That changes what happens next. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of me being a triggering thing, it's I'm just an experience that you're, that you're just exploring your experience. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you how you came into mindfulness. How do I what? How did you come into mindfulness? Um, how I came into mindfulness. Hmm. I had some spiritual experiences kind of early in my life that opened me up to the notion that there's a lot more going on and then between people and in the air than meets the eye. And I began to explore what that's about. And that led me to, if I, if I ever had sort of a mm, innate wisdom, like something you were just kind of born with, mm -hmm. it's, it's, I had the intelligence to seek out good teachers. Mm -hmm. And so I would look around and say, who's doing the best in this area? And I would go and I would learn from them. Um, and so I set myself down in front of some people who were teaching somatic psychotherapy and group dynamics in a really forward thinking way, mindfulness. So mindfulness based somatic psychology. Mm. Um, and I studied that for a long time. And, um, and that brought me into many of the things we're talking about, like how to be present in your own system while engaging another person. And then also, I've always had this fascination with communications and language and how we influence each other and the difference that words make. Um, and then the, the, the language of language, the, the, the meta language, the nonverbal, the whole big thing, not just the words, but the listening, the nonverbal, the atmosphere, you know. And so all of that kind of came together in me in uh, at some point. So it's uh, 
And so I'm involved with mindfulness as a practice in helping others become more mindful because it's the door that has to open for any of the other good things that can happen to occur. It's like the the key to, a, like you said, the most radical thing you can do is insert that mindfulness key and turn the lock. And once you do that, the door that opens is so much bigger and so much larger in its impact on you and others than you can imagine until you have entered. You can't, so from outside, it's just an idea. But from in the experience, it's, it's, it's the difference between looking at a picture of the Grand Canyon and being in the Grand Canyon. You, you can only tell people about it uh, you know, in a in an intellectual way, unless they've been there. So how do you get people who haven't been there to enter? And that's the that's the conundrum yeah. that I'm I'm wrestling with right now. Yeah, because it's it's we're we are trained to be in our heads. Mm-hmm. And for me, um I'm a former academic. Recovering, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> and and going, so I was an historian, and in the process of being an historian, I numbed myself out because history mm. is pretty pretty freaking violent. And yeah, it is. Six years ago, I took a vow of peace mm. um, because I just I had woken myself up enough to know mm. that I needed to do something that was going to be a radical shift. And I gave up all of the movies, the action books, and the violent music that I had. And for six months, I didn't know what to do because mm. it's so pervasive. Yeah. Yes. So now knowing I, I have a lot of practices I do now, and and because I've allowed myself to open my heart up through mm. not numbing myself and feel things. Mm. A practice I do that just is for the sheer joy of it is when it rains, I walk up to trees and I, t- I like stick my tongue underneath the leaf and I catch the dew. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty luscious. It is. And it's like, so doing things like that helped me open my heart more yes to the experience of being mm. and the, yeah like so for the one of the first things i did to like really get in touch with my my senses is to slow my eating cuz when you allow my tongue is very expressive. It talks, it's like, it will tell me when I'm not supposed to eat something. It's, mm-hmm. it's my tongue. Um, so if tongue engages in the process of eating, I can feel the sense, like I can feel the taste, the smell, the textures, mm-hmm. and really get into the experience mm. of the magical experience of eating. Mm. And from then, 
because you're engaging all of your senses when you eat or most of them, mm-hmm. um, then you can explore other things. Mm-hmm. But just mm-hmm. by shifting, you know, instead of gulping down your food, just actually chewing 10 to 20 times before you, preferably 20, um, before each bite goes down, so you can really fully feel the whole experience. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of a side door into being more mindful because it's absolutely, so it's direct. It's the front door. It's as far as I'm concerned because the body is always in the moment, right? And so it doesn't matter what sense you choose. I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but it's it it matters because it's kind of like there are multiple doors. I guess another way to put it, mm-hmm. but they're all front doors and yeah. and. Uh, so you can get there through sense any of your senses. The key is what you just said. It's kind of like paying attention, like the John, the classic John Kabat-Zinn definition. You know, paying attention on purpose in the moment, non-judgmentally. Perfect mindfulness. Mm-hmm. So savoring taste is a beautiful thing. Uh, I have a practice in my book, which will be coming out soon. Um, well, soon, hopefully six months from now. Um, that's pretty soon. <laughs> well, it's sooner than it was a year ago, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, enlightenment by a thousand yummy moments, so called. Mm-hmm. And it's similar to that. It's, but what I encourage people to do, particularly when they're just starting a mindfulness practice, is take an inventory of the things that they that lights them up. Like, what do you light up about? automatically because mm-hmm. even someone who's in their head has something that they light up about mm-hmm. so if it's, if it's music or a face or a sunset or uh, a color or a flower or a puppy or you know a touch uh, a food whatever it is they have something because everybody has that experience and the the practice is to notice that that, I, oh, I'm having one of these moments where I light up. So there's your mindfulness. I'm noticing. And then to make a decision, I'm just going to hang out with this for a little bit. Remember, we were talking about when someone says, hey, thank you, noticing that someone did, and just hang out with the experience of lighting up. What's that like for you? Oh, it's it wants to be big. I want to be bigger. I want to relax. I want to go. Yeah. I want to go. Mm. I want to go. Woo. Or whatever you want to do or not do is okay. Just noticing for like an extra count of three or four. And then you move on. So you add those little moments to your life, those nourishing little moments to your life, and you just gift them to yourself. And that's a pra- that's a mindfulness practice mm-hmm. and if even if you don't meditate if you did that consciously intentionally that would take you down the road towards having more presence in your life and, and a better life because what is life but a series of moments right mm-hmm. so you can add these great moments to your day and suddenly your day is full of great moments mm-hmm. it's so beautiful and such a such a gift to give ourselves because just like I was I was I'm staying at a place in Northern California right now and 
we have a deck on the on the second floor mm. and i was just sitting out and having lunch and i heard chickadees mm-hmm. i just let myself feel the joy of the chickadees chirping and then i looked at, i'm overlooking mount shasta so i'm like oh i get to look at mount shasta and i hear chickadees and it's sunny out and like just being present to that like and the wind on my skin and it was like a whole experience and it was like because because i've allowed i've just taken these small steps to the point where i can just be fully present with an experience and now it's part of me yeah and i don't have to cling on to it it's just like shifting my understanding of like oh wow i get to be part of the world (laughs) not separate from it yes oh my god so many yeses absolutely to be a part of the world to be an embedded instrument of the of of life experiencing itself yeah and to own that say yeah that's who i that's the the thing that is remarkable to me about you is you're identifying yourself as that and that's that's kind of the master level work. It's sort of like, you know, I'm not Erica who has this and that, and, and, and I'm this experience. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so many people are so wound up in their story, but you've already done so much work, to, evidently, to unwind that. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you. Well, it's funny because I do multiple things, and one of my girlfriends says, Why do you need a business? <laughs> you're right you're just erica who has a lot of gifts that you want to give in a given day and i'm like oh i like that i like that it's <laughs> much lighter because it's like i'm not you know i'm not being this or this or this or this i'm just erica who has all these different gifts that i get to share this yeah. is one of them it just comes really... out of who you are you know yeah. it's kind of like why do i want to do this because why do i breathe you know right it's like who i am right right it's like I get to have an amazing conversation with somebody I haven't met before. <laughs> that's so cool. Like that's a <laughs> gift that I get to share in the world. Yeah. It's, it's one of many and it doesn't define who I am. It just is. Yeah. And it's a moment that you create. You've created this for yourself because that's what you like to do. And that's where yeah. you light up and, mm-hmm. you know, yay. <laughs> Yay to creating moments that you can step into where you get to experience the goodness that you are. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, isn't that what everybody's trying to do? I'm trying to find what's good for me. I don't know who I really am. I want to do the thing that's my sole purpose. Okay, well, create the goodness for yourself where you get to light up and then step into that and say, yes. You know, and 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 to be fair, a lot of people just can't get there because they're, like you say, they're kind of closed off. They're like, you know disconnected because they have so too many shoulds and honestly also a lot of people have you know physical real world issues like well i have got to make the rent or i'm going to be homeless and that's not an experience that's not stepping into the world that i would rather inhabit you know and so those kinds of things dominate often because they're but even in that there can be a who the real question becomes who are you in relationship to those issues in that world? Because people can have really significant hard problems, you know, 
terminal cancer and yeah. really big deals, you know, it's like, and, and it, it's, it's becomes a fact of your life. And the only thing you can control in these cases then is who do you become and who are you in relationship to the reality? That's a tough one. It really yeah. is a tough one. And it's easy for me to say, because I'm not in no, dramatically stress stress scenario right now. I have right. been in my life, but not right I, now. I have been too. I have been too. And it's, well, what I've found is that, you know, if you start where you're at and you just slowly bring in these practices, I'm at the point now that I can see if there's some sort of thing going on out there and I pick up because I'm an empath, is it mine to pick up? Or is it somebody else's that I feel obligated to because of my conditioning? And both, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, you're on that frequency. Some part of you is in that frequency and you're picking it up. And so the question is, who are you in relationship to someone who is sensitive enough to pick up stuff that might not be yours or it might be resonant in you in a way because it's part of your own shadow. Mm -hmm. And, and, and either way is fine. Mm -hmm. It's just who you are. It's just yeah. your experience right now. Right. And so you just, Bless that part of you. Bless that part of this other person. Maybe there's something to do with it. Maybe there's not. Yeah. It just is. Yeah. It's the most fascinating thing about shadow work that I've done is being a former academic. I'm really good at getting in my head. Really, I'm like, that's... <laughs> it's a really honed neural pathway. Trust, I, you know, I told you I was a tech before the show, you know, I'm a yeah. technologist, right? So try I, I know head. <laughs> it's like, okay, can hang let's on. get a heart brain here. But like, yeah, yeah. so, so like for the longest time I would do this inner child work. Yeah. And because I, we all, <laughs> all have traumas to bring into the world. I didn't have, I wasn't beaten or anything, but I was in a body cast um, when I was really Yikes. little because I had dislocated hip so like there was a lot of trauma from that and yeah a lot of trauma um because yeah. i didn't know what um and i've done How a lot i was in traction at six weeks and in a body cast at six months until two holy crap whoa whoa yeah. whoa yeah. okay yeah that's a really really impactful walk. experience and i can walk and that's so the win is you get to walk. <laughs> yeah, I get to walk. And and because of it, I've had a lot, a lot of inner child work and I've gone in my head because that's what the training is. So last winter, my little girl said, Leave me alone. I'm done with you digging into me intellectually. Will you just let me feel? Yeah. Beautiful. Like, that's oh. lovely. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. So I'm apologizing to her because like I brought this trauma, like it's I, the trauma's there, but then I'm redoing the trauma. That's right. So I can heal it, but I'm not actually healing it because I'm in my head. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, 
trauma is different than other types of emotional wounding, and it doesn't help to regroove it. Um, you know, it's kind of like there's this trauma treatment has moved on from the days when it used to be, well, you just need to get into it and let it go. They don't do that so much anymore because it's what happens is you're just rehearsing it neurologically. And every time you go back and they, it just makes it stronger. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a whole different approach to it these days than go in and relive your trauma. Uh, And there's this whole uh, thing called trauma informed mindfulness, which is, you know, helping people to become more mindful. And again, it's about exploring your relationship to who am I as someone who has this traumatic field or traumatic experience Mm -hmm. and how do I want to interact with that or not and engage the world and do that dance. And so it does require a non intellectual approach. Mm -hmm. Because it's not in that part of your brain. It's not an it's not it's not an intellectual here. It's all here. It's it's in it's in there, but it's in a different part of the brain than the Mm -hmm. the higher functioning. So you can't think your way out of it. No, no. I can feel my way out of it. You can feel into it, right. And then then it becomes like a whole new thing because then you're really dealing with mindfully exploring the contents of your subconscious, because this is Mm -hmm. all the stuff that's below consciousness. And uh and for some people, you know, that's a little bit tricky because they start to explore that feeling and it kind of like starts to be really overwhelming and maybe even terrifying. And those are indicators that that there's a trauma field there. And, and maybe meditation isn't the right thing mm-hmm. until you've done some other work. Yeah. Which I have. It's, it's really, this is really state of the art stuff in terms of how to, yeah. how to deal with it. Yeah. yeah you know, if you're, if your listeners want to, are interested, they can Google um, mindfulness informed trauma, because there's a like, few people out there teaching about it that, uh, or trauma informed, no, mindfulness informed trauma. Yeah. And uh, uh, trauma informed, I forget which one it is, but it's, uh, there's a, some good stuff out there on that now. Yeah. Yeah, I know for me, it really has been about like feeling like if hip is feeling something, I just really sit with it. And I do part of the practice um, that I've been learning is like, so typically we grip. And if you go like this, Mm -hmm. you're not going to open it. If you go like this. Yeah eventually it'll open up. You so can relax, right, right. Yeah. So that's, that's how I'm dealing with it. And yeah. yeah. That is amazing. And that's an, an exquisite insight. When I was doing my somatic psychology training, um, that was one of the key things that they taught us was to support to support people to support people's woundedness. Now that sounds weird when I say it. When you think about it like this, it's sort of like, let's say someone walks in the room with uh, a broken leg or a limp, an injured leg. Um, What do you do? Do you go, well, just walk normally, you know, just make yourself walk normally and power through the pain, you know, that's not going to help. But if you give that person a crutch, right, then they can take the pressure off the woundedness Mm -hmm. and they can relax in the rest of their body a little bit. And it's the same with your emotional body. If someone's feeling like really resistant to something, 
and you say, well, just get over it. You know, you kind of come at them with more energy. Then it just strengthens. You develop a relationship to the resistance and people then begin to identify as someone who maintains their world by resisting. I was, you told me that I'm just going to resist. I'm just going to resist. I'm just going to resist everything. That's a really crappy place to live. But a lot of people are like that. They just resist everything. Yeah. However, if you just supported them and said, oh, so you're angry, huh? Yeah, I am. That gives them the opportunity to turn for a moment and experience their own anger rather than resist you. Mm-hmm. So a very simple use of language can shift the entire dynamic. Did it, did that make sense? How I was trying to address the yeah, you support you support rather than mm-hmm. you know, confront, and then yeah. people can just this such a masculine energy. It's like let's solve the problem. Yeah, right. right. And, and I um, I used to live with an engineer, and he'd always want to solve problems. Like no, you know, yeah, I, yeah, just yeah. Wanna, I just want to I just want to feel. Yeah, yeah. Feel. Like you can hug me after I'm done crying. Don't come near me when I'm crying because I have to process <laughs> it. And he was, he just didn't know what it, you know, like, but, but I want to fix you. And I'm like, I know you do. Right, right. And I appreciate that. You can't, I have to sit with what I'm feeling. Yeah. Yeah. You and, want somebody to be present and bear witness for you. Right. Right. And that's, that's pretty radical too. It is. To fixing things. Right. Yeah. It's, it it happens all the time. Right. So, you know, and you and the guy's coming from a place where he he cares and he wants to help, mm-hmm. but he just doesn't have the skill. And I don't mean that in a bad way. No, Somebody no. sat down and trained him and said, when right. the person in your presence is emotional, don't try to fix the emotion. Just be a friend for them in that experience. Just mm-hmm. that's and that's all they need. And then it'll move right. on usually. Right. right. Oh, we got a lot of training to do, Brett. <laughs> it's so missing. And I've been to therapists who, who, you know, professional therapists, and they just totally don't get that at all. They're like, well, we can, and then the, and the whatever. I'm going, can you, do you see the tears coming down my face? Do you think you ought to say something like, I see you're emotional? Well, I'm understanding that the, yeah, well, I'm understanding that you just don't get me, you know? And that's right. the message, right? Well, listen. I'm I'm just a little charged about that still. (laughs) Well, that's okay because, like, listening is not something we're taught. Yeah. And especially if you're going to visit an academic, which is what therapists are—they're academics. A lot are, unfortunately. I I love I love academics. I was one. They're stuck in their heads. Mm -hmm. They've been trained not to feel. Because if they they probably all started out as empaths, hmm. but they didn't have the tools to keep themselves from taking on the energy of their clients, so they numb themselves out. Well, I think as a culture we do that. You know, we yeah. people are just beat up with incredibly harsh messages, and it's just gotten so much harsher in my lifetime. Because mm-hmm. I'm an you know I'm an older character, and um, the the nature of communications has changed dramatically the kinds of things that people say to each other 
in common everyday expression were unthinkable when I was a kid. It just it just wouldn't would not be tolerated. People would just go, what's wrong with you? You know, we just don't talk to each other that way. But these days, it's like, wow, it's so harsh. Uh-huh. And the imagery is so harsh. It's crazy. And uh, yeah. it's toxic. Oh, it is. Like having, I when I stopped watching movies six years ago, one of the reasons I did is because I noticed I love comedies. Comedies, comedies have violence in them. Oh, a lot of them, yeah. And it's like, why do I need violence if I want to laugh? <laughs> like, so there's there's this, this pervasiveness of violence. Yeah. In our culture, sure. and I think it's well, I I don't know because I don't watch television. I, I'm like such I'm such an anachronism. I haven't had television since 1998, so. <laughs> I'm just, I'm a weirdo. And I'm okay with it. (laughs) (laughs) But like, from what I, from what I see, my mom, I lived with my mom for a while. And the, the fear that's pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. It's like, how can you feel when all you're feeling is fear? Hmm. Yeah, It, it does have a, I believe it has a numbing effect on people. And so consequently, when people need to be sensitive, they can't just summon the sensitive, they can't just flip it on because we're organic systems, you know, it's not like it's binary. So, you know, suddenly when you need to have some sensitivity around something like racial justice or, you know, equality or, 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 you know, and you need to feel into that space to kind of go, what's the truth here? You just don't have it. And so you just go back to your intellectual space because that's the only resource that's still online. Right. You know? Right. And then the and the solutions and policy and behavior that comes out of that is inadequate to meet the the needs of, of what of the situation. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm into mindfulness, because the more mindful people can be, the the more those doors open. And you don't have to be buying into a big spiritual space, even though I got another, I'm not opposed to that at all. But someone can approach, can decide to to learn to be mindful just based on the science of it. Oh, this is going to help me be healthier, smarter, you know, more resilient, happier, you know. And who doesn't want those things, right? And so, and then when they start to do that, they suddenly realize, oh my God, I'm I'm having feelings. And I like that. Mm-hmm. And or I'm having more of more feelings. You know, I'm having a good feeling. But the good comes with the bad, and that, and that has to get sorted out. And that's okay because, like, we're all like I, I I had the fascinating experience of an akashic reading last week. No. Oh. So and are you going to fill us in? I'll fill in the the, the salient part. So 60, 60, 60 generations of my ancestors were carrying a curse that was tied to enslavement and barbarianism. Wow. And the other part of the curse was that all of the descendants would carry the energy 
of that dynamic. With that's a heck of a curse. That's a that's a Tell power curse. I was like, what the hell? What? Why me? And she's like, yeah, and your right arm is like feeling the, the weight of the sword from the broadsword. I'm like, what? It's just so, because like, I I understand energy. Like, yeah. I, do, I do, one of the things I do is body talk. And so I get quantum physics and I get like, we're just multidimensional beings living in a human body. And most of my listeners know I know this. So like, I'm, I'm it's all good. I'm, so, I'm right there with you. So like that awareness come in like, wow, like this stuff, like when you open yourself, because I've never had that done before, but my, my housemate is an Akashic record reader and she's like, let's, let's do this. I'm like, okay, I'll try it. And I was amazed. Like, I literally felt lighter. Like my uh, shoulders, because she's like, you're carrying the armor of 60 generations of Vikings. I'm like, really? But then she said, <laughs> take it off. And I, I imagine myself taking it off. And my shoulders just went back. I'm like, oh, nice. that feels so much better. Yeah. Um, I imagine 60 generations is kind of heavy. <laughs> Vikings. Vikings, is, Vikings, Vikings stuff Vikings. too. You know, they, yeah. they wear it. <laughs> That's heavy stuff. I know. But, <laughs> so, I like, remember. <laughs> like, what if my right arm remembers? <laughs> but like that's that's the cool thing is like when when you open yourself up. So so like I started out meditating about I don't know twelve years ago. I guess yeah, yeah. It was about twelve years ago when my dad died, and. And that opened me up a little bit. Yeah, I like guess the, so. And so I was. So that's when you started meditating. Mm -hmm. When your dad died. Mm -hmm. Very. I was very spiritual as a child. Yeah. But I didn't have any resources because I was uh, in Connecticut. So what happened? That, do you mind me like asking you? I'm curious. Like, what caused you to decide to meditate after your dad died? I felt a spirit scatter across the universe. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> you felt it scatter. Oh, I saw his body. He was in hospice. We we left and we came back. I looked at his body. I was like, that's not dad. Where's dad? And mom's like, what do you mean? That's that's your father. I'm like, that's not dad. Because like he wasn't there. Mm -hmm. I did not. I could not recognize the body that was laying there. Mm. And then I felt. <laughs> I was like, well. that was dad. I don't have a clue what I'm doing now. Like, I just don't know anything. I thought I did. I don't know anything. And I need to like dive into this more. Mm. I, all of every relative that's died has visited me. Mm. You um, mean inside or in a vision of some kind? Um, when I was 10, my grandfather sat on my bed for three days. Yeah. I knew that about you. I don't know how I knew that about you, but I just sort of like in my own intuitive empathic sense, I thought, you know, yeah. something about this girl and seeing spirits that's alive. Yeah. So like that just opened me up and I've just gotten deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. Although I will say the Akashic record was like a whole different level of deep. I was like, wow, this Well, and I don't want to blow your mind, but that's actually the lower levels of deep, you know. <laughs> Yeah. There's a, there's a there's beyond that in the trainings that I've been into. Mm. Um, like 
don't have a picture of it here, but it's sort of like upper chakras, lower chakras, like you're familiar, obviously, with chakras. So those upper chakras, that's above, so below. So there's like however many chakras you count, different people can say seven. There are seven up going upwards. And uh, the Akashic records is like the um, solar plexus level. So okay. it's like one of the lower upper okay. chakras. Okay. In my, in my, that's just one of the systems that I've, I was trained in. Oh, cool. And, and above that is like um, Christ Buddha and cosmic mind, then first cause, then Godhead, and then um, beyond that, even. So, so there's just kind of in the Buddhist text, it's like beyond, then beyond the beyond, and then beyond the beyond the beyond. It's sort of like there's always this, there's, there's always another refinement mm -hmm. seems like yeah. and to me it really is about this sometimes i'll touch these really super refined energetic spaces that feel like you know how it, when a candle burns or there's a there's like layers of flame and different kinds of chemicals burn in each part of the flame mm. and the very tip of it here are the most you know the most volatile refined so it's like a fracting frac they call it fracking in the chemical world. Frack, the the most refined. It's like uh, the cream rises to the top. Like the most refined energy goes up to the very top. And literally, it's energy or chemical goes up to the top. Mm -hmm. And so it's like we're in the divine and energy world. It's the same thing. It's like there's this these these layers of more and more refined substance, mm -hmm. and you can tune to them so that you can actually tune into whichever layer you wish and and that's a that's a pretty fun skill to develop mm, yeah i'm touching on that <laughs> yeah well you got yeah. all the skills because you you know you're doing it already yeah. it's all about you go inside and you let yourself be with your experience breathing and you get deeper with that and you just see what shows up and that's just what is in your natural frame of energetic alliances and energetic resonances that's just going to show up automatically and then you'll have these awarenesses drop in from dreams or connections or whatever that can elevate you i don't say elevate and i don't mean in a hierarchical sense but in a in a spectrum sense right okay. since it's a spectrum as a hierarchy um, and it just gets better and better and better. I'm, I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, I kind of like <laughs> up and down. But for some reason, I, I, I'm blessed or whatever with this capacity to occasionally touch these extremely refined spaces, and they come, and I come back, and I'm like, wow, and it, it informs this extremely gross thing that is breath the little breath that in, walks around in a body and uh, tries to do the best that he can you know to yeah. be a vehicle for whatever the heck is going on yeah <laughs> i'm sorry i feel like i'm talking too much no you're not okay no no i appreciate that because it's it's just fascinating to me to learn what each person brings to my awareness like i have mm -hmm. some things i know some of and then i always get the experience of learning more and being open to that and that's that's the gift of this podcast is i always get to learn something 
Yeah, well, and me too. You know, I'm learning from you. I, I think, though, because I've done a lot of different weird mystical studies, and there's a lot of systems, like what I just explained is a system, mm -hmm. and there's a whole bunch of them. What I've really settled on, though, is this mindfulness practice in this, and I think Eckhart Tolle does a good job of it. It's just like landing fully in the moment in the stillness and being connected to, and you said it beautifully, like you're out on the veranda or on the balcony and you're just witnessing being in the moment yourself. That kind of really is it, you know, mm -hmm. that is enlightenment. I like more of it. <laughs> yeah. But the you like... that want the you that wants more is not the same you that's in the content. And then, oh, I know. right? I know. <laughs> but I do too. I feel ego going. <laughs> Ego's like, I want more, I want more. Yeah, it's yeah. Just... It's like add more to me, add more to me, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. That's legit too. It's just yeah. legit from a completely different place. I, I learned this teaching from Matt Kahn a couple months ago. He said, whenever you feel you're going into your ego, put your hands on your heart. I just ruined my microphone. Put your hands on your heart and ask, dear beloved universe, how may I serve you? Mm. Shuts my brain off. Mm. That's beautiful because service is such a direct path to staying out of trouble. You know, it's like you just kind of like, how can I be of service? Mm -hmm. the, the path of surrender. Mm -hmm. And that's the Christ path, the path of surrender. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful thing. Are you? Yep. Oh, there you go. I'm a, in a previous lifetime, I was a Cathar. You were what? A Cathar. What is that? Oh, Cathar is uh, following the way of uh, Yeshua and Mary Magdalene. Oh. Yep, the way of the sacred. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, what we're all, that's all we've been talking about is the sacred. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what it is. Those radical words. <laughs> the sacredness of all. You know, when you slow down enough to find the sacredness in every moment. Completely. Yeah. Exactly that. There is there there are no unspecial moments to someone who's there for it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I, mindfulness and the practice of being present is really about, and you said it early on, it's really about discovery of what's already there, mm -hmm. about remembering. Oh, yeah. That's the beautiful thing. When people start to wake up, it's really like, that's the most surprising thing is there's like, you're remembering. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. A beautiful gift. Mm. Mm. So, Mr. Brett, I have one final question for the podcast, and that is how can people find you? Languageofmindfulness.com. This is a lot to type in, but it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Languageofmindfulness.com. That's my website, and I do coaching and uh, have a podcast by the same name. Um, I don't get so woo-woo in my podcast, but <laughs> as you can tell, I'm not afraid to go there. 
Thank you. Uh, and uh, I really appreciate you having the conversation. And so for people that are wanting to get started in terms of a mindfulness meditation, they don't know what it is or how to get started. I have a page called uh, languagemindfulness.com slash now, N-O-W. And it takes you to a page with an FAQ, a video FAQ, and a guided meditation short. That's a blueprint for how to get started. Mm. You can just, you can use that little meditation can take you very, very far. People think sometimes because they're so simple, they're not powerful, but that's not true. It's extremely powerful. Thank you. Thank you. So tell me about the space that you're inhabiting right now. Oh my, it's been gridded by uh, Cathars who are living in France right now. Mm. Um, And Cathar is the way of the sacred that Yeshua and Mary Magdalene taught when they went to Southern France. Mm. Um, uh, Apparently, I'm going to get this right. Lemurians are in Mount Shasta. I don't know who the Lurians are, <laughs> but I know that this land is sacred. Uh, they call it Telosia. Mm. Um, it does have a very powerful energy to it. It's yeah, Shasta's always had a big energy. This, this particular space it overlooks Shasta, um, and there's just this really safe energy to it. Mm. Um, Beautiful. And the and the owners are stuck in southern France right now, so they're renting out the house to us. And nice, yeah, it's Beautiful. a pretty special place. Yeah, sounds great. Thank you. It's much better than Portland, <laughs> which is <laughs> where I was nice. last month. <laughs> yeah. Well, I shall end by saying thank you so much. Thank it's you. Been it's an been. Honor. Yeah, it's been, I would just say delicious. This has been very yummy for me to hear you. And I feel like it's been a little bit of a dance, you know, kind of have this dance. So thank you for dancing with me. You're so very welcome. It's been an honor, my friend. Can you help me redefine Truth and preservation of our soul shine I can feel it yours and mine Close your eyes and witness it inside In your bones you will know Trust and let go and let it flow